0: You're tuned into the Chug LLPs podcast. We are a full-service legal, immigration and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues.
1: Uh, hello. Uh, good afternoon um, from uh, from New Jersey. My name is uh, Min Kim. Uh, I'm one of the partners and uh, immigration attorney uh, here at the Chug Law Practice. I, um, I'm joining you from uh, from Edison, New Jersey. I'm uh, I'm also joined by uh, by one of our um, you know Chug attorneys as well, uh, Ms. Uh, Nadine Chen. Uh, she uh, she sits. Um, within uh, within our Houston, Texas office that the uh, newly opened. Um, so uh, we we thank you for everyone who uh, made the time to uh, to join us today. Uh, it's the start of a new year, um, so uh, with that, there's um you know there's a lot of anticipation, um, you know speaking from an immigration standpoint as well. Uh, but uh, needless to say, there's still a lot of things that are far from concrete and um, a lot of indecision, um, you know, as we kind of, um, you know, um, uh, together kind of go into this new year, 2022, of uh, what, uh, what the government agencies have in store uh, as it pertains to uh, immigration issues, both from the business standpoint as well as uh, from the family-based immigration perspective, too. Uh, but before we get on to those substantive topics, some of the most recent updates from, uh, from USCIS, Department of Labor, uh, CBP, et cetera. Uh, some of the most um, you know um, critical ones are uh, the new modified i94s where uh, where you know certain eligible derivative beneficiaries, they're going to receive annotated i94s identifying them as spouses, uh, which will give them us you know work authorization. Um, and uh, before we talk about that, before we talk about you know the visa interview waiver uh, you know process that State Department, um has uh, recently publicly released um a um, you know a, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, who's eligible for that? Um you know, we thought that we' would kind of shift gears here and um, you know, just talk very broadly about um, you know a uh, an important topic that I think you know does not go discussed all too often. Um, and it pretty much is like the first step in uh, in in deciding on how you know, one wants their immigration case, um, you know, done. Uh, you know, the, uh, the elephant in the room is, you know, should I hire an attorney? Um, you know, uh, my friends, my family, uh, you know, they, they filed their respective, you know, immigration applications and they did it themselves. They did it pro se, uh, you know, and their cases were approved. Uh, why would my case be any different? Um, am I just paying, you know, uh, money out of pocket to hire someone when I can just be doing this on my own, uh, isn't immigration just kind of form filling? Uh, what's the uh, what's the value added that a competent immigration professional, law firm attorney, uh, would uh, would bring to uh, my specific, you know, immigration case matter? So it's a large topic, and uh, you know, I'm um, I'm I'm glad that Nadine is able to join me so that uh, we can kind of you know, really um, yeah, plug into that issue a little bit more, uh, hopefully answer a lot of, you know, individual questions, um, you know, uh, pertaining to, you know, should you hire a law firm, um, you know, what are the pros, what are the cons, you know, involved with that, uh, what exactly is the the first thing to do in order to get that process started, uh, we'll, we'll try to tackle a lot of those, uh, you know, topics here, uh, here today. So um, um, in order to, uh, you know, begin, uh, let me first uh, introduce Nadine so that, you know, she can, um, you know, speak a little bit, you know, about that issue. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Nadine sits uh, within the CHU office, uh, you know, uh, located in Houston. Um, it's a newly formed office. We have, um, you know, some, you know, uh, uh, power professionals and some attorneys down there uh, at the present. And uh, we're looking to, uh, you know, kind of grow that uh, that presence uh, within the Houston marketplace, and Nadine is a, you know, is a great addition to that. Um, so, Nadine, let me um, let me first ask you, uh, you know, regarding the that uh, that big topic of, you know, consultations and deciding to retain an attorney or not. So, uh, let's say someone has an immigration-related issue, um, how do they go about getting it taken care of? Can they? Uh, you know, look to handle it themselves, do you think? Or, you know, or, or basically, how do they know if they really need an attorney?
0: Uh, man, I, I think the biggest challenge for most people lies in identifying that there is, in fact, an immigration-related issue. And after all, uh, applying for immigration benefits is not the same as applying for, uh, say, a driver's license. There is no test with one right answer rather the eligibility requirements are often subject to interpretation by the adjudicator and most of the benefits involve a discretionary factor so although the uscis and department of state websites have a lot of information on various immigration benefits what you see is only the basic framework um, your chance of approval can be influenced by factors beyond the list of
1: criteria on the websites. Right, right. That's a you know that's that's a value, invaluable point that, that, that you bring up there. Um, you know um, there really is nothing of the sort. You know like a straight you know um, like a open and closed bookcase. Uh, but would you have any uh, specific examples that you can perhaps um, you know share with our audience?
0: Um, for example, like an F1 student waiting tables at the school um, and H1B workers driving for Uber. Those are considered an authorized employment that could bar the individual from extending, changing, or adjusting status. Or say a foreign national pleas guilty to the theft uh, or possession of marijuana seem to be relatively benign convictions but could actually constitute grounds for removal. Or say the person you want to hire is a foreign national that says they have work authorization. um, But is the work authorization incident to status? Or do they need an employment authorization document? And is their employment authorization tied to a specific employer? And when does it expire? These are important questions because liabilities can attach to hiring a foreign national without going through the proper verification and petitioning process. The thing is, immigration law is highly complex and interacts with other areas of law like uh, criminal law, uh, employment law, and corporate law. Um, It also involves agencies beyond the Department of Homeland Security or the Department of State. There are immigrant-specific provisions for laws and policies administered um, by, for example, the Department of Labor, um, the Department of Justice, and even the Department of Public Safety. And the thing is, it's always changing. Um, each agency can introduce new policy guidance or the courts can issue new precedents that alter a case's outcome. And that is why most immigration lawyers specialize in a particular area of immigration law such as business immigration, family immigration, uh, humanitarian, uh, citizenship issues, and removals. The fact is you don't know what you don't know. So um, it helps to have a lawyer ask the right questions um, to identify all the potential issues and opportunities in your case. Even if you think uh, you have a straightforward case, there might be better options for you or maybe you're not eligible uh, to apply for the benefit. And sometimes applying to something you're not eligible for can have uh, catastrophic consequences, and it's not a simple matter of wasting a filing fee.
1: Right, right. That's um, you know that's uh, that's a great point, point. and it kind of um, you know it kind of brings me to uh, something that might be you know really relevant, um, you know, um, as uh, as we begin the new year, um, as uh, you know many many. People within the audience uh, joining us here, um, you know, uh, they might have some knowledge. Uh, the beginning of the year, uh, the first couple of months, um, you know, signifies the the uh, the window for H-1B cap season. Um, as uh, as most folks know, uh, the 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 cap process uh, it starts typically every April. That's when USCIS starts receiving those. Uh, H-1B cap petitions uh, for, for receipt and starts adjudicating those cases for, uh, for individuals looking to acquire H-1B visa status who are cap subject. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, uh, just recently uh, USCIS has kind of, um, you know, redone their lottery process where the process actually begins a month earlier now, in, uh, in March. Um, so, you know, one hazard that uh, that you know that uh, employers and the foreign national workers need to be mindful of is that you know just because a foreign national beneficiary might have a U.S. master's degree, uh, they don't qualify for that uh, the twenty thousand additional exemptions uh, pertaining to U.S. master's cap. Um, you know those um, those things that you uh, you said to be mindful of that really might. Encourage someone to look for professional counsel. Um, you know, all too often, you know, um, um, you know, I'm on the I'm on the receiving end of a, of a request for evidence or a notice of intent to deny for an H-1B cap case, where USCIS, you know, mind you, makes the correct statement that it doesn't appear that the foreign national beneficiary uh, qualifies for the U.S. master's cap, and and the reason is that. The, uh, the master's degree that they, uh, that they uh, were granted, uh, the U.S. master's degree, uh, it didn't come from an accredited institution. Um, what individuals, both at the foreign national worker level, as well as the sponsoring employers, what, what you need to know is that for the 20,000 exemption for U.S. master's degree holders, um, essentially there are two requirements that need to be met in order to fit within that cr- criteria. Uh, The first requirement is that the school issuing the U.S. master's degree must be properly accredited uh, by a nationally recognized accrediting agency or association. And secondly, uh, that school must be a public or nonprofit institution. Um, And, you know, a lot of times, you know, um, employers and foreign nationals are so eager to, uh, you know, quote unquote, increase their chances of getting selected in the lottery that they kind of skip over that point. And they say, oh, here's my U.S. master's degree. Let's make sure that we follow it under U.S. master's cap, um, so that you know uh, that that I'll be available for that uh, additional second lottery for U.S. master's degree holders. Just because you have a U.S. master's degree does not mean that you automatically qualify for that twenty thousand additional exemption for uh, advanced degree holders. So, um, you know, I, I suppose long story short, if someone were to, you know, hire a competent immigration attorney. Uh, That attorney, I would hope to believe, knows this um, and can properly advise that sponsoring employer or the foreign national worker saying, let's put the brakes on a little bit. Um, You know, let's make sure that this institution is indeed accredited. And if it is, then yes, of course, we'll look to slot it under the master's degree exemption. But if not, then in order to avoid that pitfall of a potential denial notice later on for for very valid reasons, um, you know, it would have to be fought on the regular cap. And perhaps a second, you know, uh, thing that uh, a second example that comes to mind is uh, kind of shifting gears away from the H-1B is for green cards. Um, a lot of foreign nationals are looking to make the U.S. their permanent residents. Uh, they're looking to be sponsored by the U.S. employer uh, for uh, for for the U.S. green card. Well, you know, well, one thing to kind of keep in mind is that. Um, Just because an employer is willing to sponsor one for a green card, it doesn't automatically mean that that's going to come to fruition. Uh, One thing that I see all too often, unfortunately, is that a sponsoring employer uh, petitions so many green card petitions for its foreign national worker population, uh, that it will be challenged to prove its ability to pay the proffered wage to all those I-140 beneficiaries. And that's a very real thing. If we're not talking about you know, the companies like Google or Facebook or Apple that has you know, billions, if not trillions um, you know, of, uh, of dollars where uh, ability to pay is not an issue, but it's a smaller employer, uh, maybe a five, 10 employee you know smaller shop. Well, you know, um, just the fact that someone might be making a certain wage uh, as certified in the, uh, in the underlying perm labor certification doesn't automatically mean that that, you know, employer has the continuing ability to pay the foreign national worker. Um, I mean, this is an issue that, you know, a competent immigration attorney will be able to identify very early on in the process. And then, you know, properly advise both the company as well as the foreign national beneficiary being sponsored, that these are the real issues that USCIS looks for. Yes, they're not gonna be able to get to that issue for maybe many months, if not, maybe a year or two, from now, but it's always best to be prepared in advance that these are the things that USCIS will be on the lookout for. So therefore, both the company and the employee should likewise be on the lookout for currently.
0: Those are great examples. man. And so you know, to a question, how does one go about resolving an immigration issue? My advice is, if you're a foreign national, or if one party in the situation is a foreign national, the safe thing to do would be to consult with an attorney before engaging in any exceptional activity in the United States, such as working, studying, getting married, getting divorced, or uh, pleading guilty to any crime. And after the consultation, uh, the attorney should be able to tell you what. Uh, if anything, you need to do in order to engage in the activity that you desire and save for the duration that you desire. And um, after the consultation, the attorney should also be able to tell you uh, whether your case is a straightforward one, um, such that you can handle it on your own, or if there are complications in the facts that it is better left to an attorney, or if your case is so complex that you need to be referred to a
1: specialist. Right, so So to be sure, uh, when you say foreign nationals, you're also including um, lawful permanent residents.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Permanent resident status is actually not permanent. It is possible to lose it. So before a US permanent resident accepts a job offer outside the United States, or say a police guilty um, to even a minor nonviolent crime, uh, they should speak with an immigration attorney on the implications for that. So basically, if you're a foreign national, just assume that everything out of the ordinary that involves you is immigration-related. And schedule a consultation with an attorney. Allow the lawyer to paint the full picture for you. And even if you have no intention of hiring the lawyer,
1: speaking with them will at least give an idea of what they're doing Right. That's um, you know, that's pretty key. It's, you know, um, I suppose a lot of foreign nationals, for you know, very good reasons, they think that, oh, you know, if uh if I consult with an attorney, that just means that the engagement has already started and it's impossible for, for me to for me to back out. And you know, that couldn't be further from the case. Um I suppose, you know, one of the things uh, within not just immigration law but you know um, just all areas of, uh, of US legal practice is that you know the the law really provides um, you know the authority to the client as it should the client you know is the one to determine when representation begins when repreta- re- when representation should conclude or you know if or not what representation should begin at all um, you know the decision maker should be uh, you know the client, uh, because it's obviously their life, their case. Um, and, uh, you know, the attorney is the facilitator and the uh, the expert that says these are the major checkpoints that uh, that the client, both from the company end as well as the foreign national end, uh, should be mindful of. So, uh, you know, since we, uh, you know, are on topic of consultation, let's kind of uh, pivot there and, uh, and talk about that a little bit more in depth. Uh, since consultations are so important, um, as you referenced, how does uh, one go about getting one?
0: Well, the consultation uh, is typically the first meeting between an attorney and a prospective client. And to get one, um, you simply call or email the law firm that you're interested in, and they will provide you with instructions to set it up. The consultation fees range from one to $500 and go for half an hour, an hour or more. Um, I would be weary of law firms that offer free consultations because more often than not, they're really just 15-minute sales pitches. And the reality is, unless you pay for the time, attorneys cannot afford to perform a deep dive into the facts to come up with a tailored immigration strategy for your case. Even if their answer is you don't have a case or you don't need to file anything, that knowledge itself is worth the expense because you don't end up wasting fees or drawing scrutiny to yourself.
1: Okay, so it's like it's like kind of like paying for a doctor's visit of sorts, uh, regardless of whether you're given a cure.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, sometimes uh, the answer is your facts are not right, in which case the attorney can coach you on what you can do to strengthen the facts. That's the benefit of engaging a lawyer early in the process.
1: Okay, so um, I mean, would you be able to uh, maybe speak a little bit more in length uh, in depth. Uh, about
0: what goes on in the consultation? I would say it depends on the nature of the client and how experienced they are in immigration. Um, For individuals, I personally approach the consultation as a strategy session during which the prospective client and I would explore various courses of action based on their facts, um, priorities, and goals. Um, For example, uh, I will want to know the immigration history and nationality of not only the prospective client, but also their immediate family, uh, the age of their children, the activities that they plan to engage in in the United States. Uh, I will also want to know uh, the prospective client and their spouse's education background, career aspirations, and how soon they need employment authorization. I will also need to know if they've ever been convicted of any crime or been a victim of any crime. And there is a specific reason behind each of these questions. Um, They tell me, for example, you know, what employment-based, family-based, humanitarian, and nationality-specific visa categories are available to them. uh, If the children are at risk of aging out, and if the prospective client might benefit from say a shorter visa wait time based on their spouse's country of birth um, or, or even if they need or qualify for a waiver for certain grounds of any uh, I actually once worked with a client who didn't know that she was a derivative of a grandfather petition that would allow her to adjust status despite having overstayed in the United States. And we only found out about it because I asked the immigration history of her parents, and she told me her father used to work in the US. So we asked the father to file a Freedom of Information Act request uh, to get a copy of his immigration paperwork from the government. Yeah, but this is what I usually cover in an in individual consult. Uh, man, what's your experience been like with COVID crimes?
1: How does the initial engagement usually happen? Hey, Nadine, I'm the one asking the questions here, no, not you, but um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, okay, but, but turning it around, um, but it's 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 definitely a valid point. Uh, um, there is no you know one size fits all in, in terms of you know client consults. Uh, you know as you as you um, you know pointed out you know so so well. Uh, depending upon the context, the background, um, you know, where the, client, where the client comes from, the origin, you know, anywhere around the world. Uh, if it's a company, if it's a foreign national individual, you know, it, it takes uh, many shapes and forms. So, you know, uh, we are talking, you know, uh, in, in general terms here, um, you know, hopefully to help our, our audience, um, you know, to be confident that, you know, these are the things to be mindful of and these are the tools to, um, you know, to have with you as you uh, you know consider approaching a, a qualified attorney for a consultation, uh, but uh, but you know you but you're, you're right in kind of you know making the distinction that um, you know a, uh, a client consultation with a company might be very different looking than, uh, than one with an individual you know client. Um, I suppose some of the things that I've noticed is well I mean actually before I even get to that um, you know uh, despite the differences there are a lot of things that are the same. Um, You know, any kind of employer, any kind of, you know, company, whether it be, you know, a small, uh, you know, startups, midsize, or, you know, rather large companies um, versus an individual, you know, person, an individual family, uh, you know, looking for immigration attorney representation. There are things that they should expect um, across the board. Uh, Competence, um, you know, um, someone, an attorney, a law firm that knows the law that's not just dabbling in immigration. Um, you know they, know, they know what it takes to get a petition approved. They know the things that USCIS looks for or Department of Labor looks for or State Department or CDP, you know, et cetera. Uh, they're familiar with the visa categories. Um, you know, they know how to strategize um, knowing the business model that a specific company has and uh, the type of talent that it wants to acquire to add to their, um, you know, their, their staff of employees. And they'll be able to partner with that, um, you know, with that corporate client, and making sure that that's achieved. And that kind of segues into the into the next thing that is across the board, uh, you know, whether we're talking about a startup company or you know, small, midsize, or large, and that's communication. Um, communication is key. Um, you know, immigration is no different. Um, you know, um, I mean, we're talking about people's lives here. Eh? But if you are if are speaking from the beneficiary standpoint. Uh, their ability to be in the U.S. and remain work-authorized, uh, continue to make income and support their families, for companies to continue to be profitable, um, you know, to continue to you know, grow their market share. Um, you know, they have a specific business model in mind and they're looking for trusted partners and vendors uh, to work with them in, in achieving that. So those things are across the board the, the same. Um, some of the differences um, you know, that perhaps I can go into is um, you know, for, for, for companies that are large or kind of familiar with the immigration process, um, you know, uh, what you should be mindful of is looking for a law firm that has the bandwidth, uh, you know, that has a fully fleshed out staff of qualified paralegals, para, paraprofessionals, you know, attorneys uh, who don't just dabble in immigration, but who are immigration attorneys. Uh, you know, they know the law inside out. Um, you know, that's a, that's a given. Um, technology, you know, obviously is a, is, is, is super critical. Uh, you know, there are platforms out there that really make it seamless and uh, you know and and different than what it was, you know as recent as fifteen, 20 years ago when it comes to kind of turning over a case and making sure everything is more more streamlined and expedient. Um, and as the as the world gets smaller, um, you know, uh, I've noticed in my practice that a lot of companies are making sure that they um, are represented by a law firm that has a capacity for global immigration support as well. <clears throat> um, you know, the U.S. Is, is a great country. Everyone wants to come here. Uh, but the same thing can be said for, you know, parts of Asia or Europe or Africa. Um, you know, as, uh, as companies are getting more global, You know, factories and, you know, uh, shared offices are, you know, popping up everywhere. There's a need to to send U.S. expats abroad. Um, For a law firm, you know, to uh, not shy away from that, but to kind of take that on and have a fully fleshed out global immigration department. uh, That is, uh, you know, becoming more critical. And, uh, you know, I would like to say that, you know, the the true law practice, obviously, you know, kind of uh, checks those boxes. Okay, so um, you know, uh, I know that we're coming close to the end of our time here. Um, so, but before we uh, we close, I need you know, uh, would you be able to speak to um, what happens after the initial meeting comes to a close? Uh, where where do you uh, where do you go from here?
0: Yeah, so at the end of the consult, the attorney will usually narrow down the options and issue a representation agreement. Um, also known as a retainer with a quote for your case. And the quote will include both the attorney's fee and the filing fee. Most immigration law firms charge on a flat rate basis. um, So basically a fixed price for a certain case type, whereas others charge by the hour. Um, Most firms charge extra to respond to requests for further evidence. And you wanna make sure that you're comfortable with all the terms and that these details are all clearly stated in their agreement. Um, now, like we mentioned earlier, it's important to note that until the person signs the agreement and pays for the retainer, no attorney-client relationship actually exists between the person and the consulting attorney. Um, the consultation itself does not create attorney-client relationship. Another thing I to understand is that they're not paying for an outcome but for a service. Um, the attorney rules of conduct prohibit us
1: from guaranteeing an outcome. Okay, um, so um, so that's uh, you know that's that's a good point for, for everyone to to keep in mind. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of websites out there that kind of rate attorneys. Uh, you know, uh, depending upon uh, uh, feedback from um, you know from previous clients, etc. Um, it really is on a case by case basis. Uh, you know. Um, I mean, it's helpful to refer to such websites, you know, that uh, that rate attorneys. But um, uh, the ability and the and the competency of uh, of an attorney, you know, uh, if they take on, if they're known to take on, you know, more difficult cases, it's going to be harder for them to, you know, kind of uh, put forth a uh, a record of uh, consistent approval. Uh, but it doesn't really, you know, um, you know, kind of um, affect what uh, what they're able to do on a on a on a regular basis there. Um, you know, thank you, Nadine, for, um, you know, for for joining me here today. I just want to, you know, quickly throw the, um, you know, the um, the just general blanket statement that everything here was not um, everything here was for informational purposes, um, you know, by, by no means are we offering any legal advice here. And um, you know, whether you choose Chug or whether you choose another trusted uh, professional, uh, you know, do seek a lawyer for you know, the legal advice that, uh, that you're looking to acquire. Um, you know, please follow us on our social media p- platforms as well, uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, um, and, um, and, um, and, um, and, um, and Instagram. Um, you know, to, to follow the uh, the regular schedules for these Thursday live sessions. Uh, so, thank you, Nadine. Thank you, everyone, and uh, you know, have a have a happy and safe new year.
0: Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chook.com for legal and immigration and www.chug.net. For tax, be sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chug LLP team.